What's going on, guys? Welcome to the very first segment of Informed Daily. This is going to be a Monday through Friday show where I'm going to be giving you guys uh, some of the most current events, political news, cultural news, whatever you guys really want to hear. And I'll bring it to you here live on YouTube and on Rumble. Uh, and then it's also going to go into the audio segment of our podcast of Informed with Anthony. Um, so today is Monday, December 5th. In the news, we have Elon Musk has dropped the Twitter files. I'm not sure if you guys have even heard of the Twitter files outside of maybe if you're really following me, paying attention on the weekend. I don't know why Elon went ahead and released this on a Friday uh, in the news in, in journalism world. Uh, you you kind of want to drop everything Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, not necessarily a Friday going into the weekend, uh, but he has dropped the Twitter files. This is going in length into uh, the, the suspending, into the censoring, to the banning of the Hunter Biden laptop back in October of 2020. So I'm going to read that off to you guys. Secondly, we have here uh, Trump accused of wanting to terminate uh, parts of the Constitution because of what the Twitter files re uh, revealed. And he's already getting a lot of pushback about that. And then we have Katie Hobbs certifies her own election win in Arizona. Again, today is Monday, Monday December 5th. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And let's jump right into that first story. So here we have CNN Business. Elon Musk speaks out on Twitter files, released detailing platforms in our workings. Now, uh, of course, uh, when we talk about this, you know, there's a lot of rumbling and grumbling out there, especially in conservative circles where it talks about uh, why is Twitter files not making mainstream news? Uh, obviously, we have here CNN Business. This is kind of why I chose CNN Business because CNN actually has reported on the Twitter files. Uh, but it should be, I, I feel like it should be a lot of a, uh, or a, a at least a, a much bigger story that should be uh, really wall-to-wall -wall coverage when it comes to the corporate media, corporate press. This is this is what what it's revealed is is pretty insane to me. The the things that are 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 being revealed of of what really happened uh, within Twitter and really just big tech and and the, the collusion uh, with some of the entities, some of the parties. I'm going to break it down for you guys, but here we have. CNN Twitter owner Elon Musk spoke out on Saturday evening about the so-called, quote, Twitter files, a long tweet thread posted by journalist Matt Taibbi, who had been provided with details about behind the scene discussions on Twitter's content moderation, decision making, including the call to suppress a 2020 New York Post story about Hunter Biden and his laptop. Now, this is something that kind of shocked a lot of people was that it wasn't necessarily Elon Musk uh, dropping all this information saying, on his own Twitter account, he actually utilized Matt Taibbi, who apparently is a Trump hater. Uh, there's headlines that uh, Matt Taibbi has written before that uh, are not necessarily uh, nice or friendly to the political right wing, uh, including President Trump. Uh, and I think that this was actually pretty brilliant on Elon Musk's um, uh, decision making on utilizing someone that the media could not necessarily do some some. Uh, digging and say like, oh, this Matt Taibbi, of course he chooses him. He's super right wing or whatever. Nah, if you look at Matt Taibbi, he's actually pretty left wing uh, with with some of the things, some of the headlines that he's covered before, some of the news that he's covered and, and the way he kind of portrays uh, right wing pundits or even Republicans for that matter. And so I thought that was really good uh, of Elon Musk uh, kind of playing that. What, what are we up to now? Like 5D chess, 6D chess? I don't know. I After 
Uh, Donald Trump was was supposedly playing 5D chess uh, after the 2020 election. And some of the decision making is now, I don't know what D chess we're up to now. I think it's, it might be six or seven. Uh, but this was some 7D chess here by um, uh, Elon Musk in choosing Matt Taibbi. But it says, uh, during a two-hour-long Twitter Spaces session, uh, Musk said a second Twitter files drop will again involve uh, Taibbi, along with journalist uh, Barry Weiss. Uh, so not only did he drop these files already, but he's looking to drop a second set of what he is calling the Twitter files. Uh, his first drop, which was advertised by Musk as a bombshell and, quote, awesome, was instead largely seen as lackluster. Uh, it actually was not. This is, of course, CNN being CNN. And I'm going to, again, show you guys, and I'm going to read off some of the more, at least, I think, important ones that were really interesting. Says the session, which Musk said he had joined from his private jet, was rife with technical difficulties. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the actual Twitter thread. And this is what's really cool. Uh, so if you guys go into Twitter, you can search this up yourself. Uh, again, he used a journalist called Matt Taibbi. That's M-A-T-T-T-A-I-B-B-I. And, uh, there, you know, here he has, and I, I kind of made a quick note uh, again, some of the more important ones that I found, uh, but of course you can go on it yourself. It is on Twitter. Again, uh, that's Matt Taibbi and you can go check out these Twitter files on your own. So it says here, thread the Twitter files. And then it says, what you're about to read is a first installment in a series based upon thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter. The Twitter files tell an incredible story from inside one of the world's largest and most influential social media platforms. It is a Frankensteinian tale of a human belt mechanism grown out of the control of its designer. And so I just want to make a quick note here. I've, I've, you know, especially if you follow me closely, especially if you follow me on my Telegram channel, I've been pretty vocal and uh, about why I myself also use Twitter, despite having already have one Twitter account permanently suspended. By the way, I'm technically not supposed to be on there uh, because I am technically evading suspension by opening up a second account via. Uh, anonymous VPN, I guess. Um, Elon, please don't bat me. But uh, Twitter is is really a probably the the ultimate platform, especially when it comes to journalism for your stuff to be seen. Uh, a lot of journalists and a lot of their teams, like producers, editors, are not necessarily on Instagram and Facebook searching for the latest news. Twitter has just always kind of been ultimate in that it i mean there's times where i find stories on twitter that have not even they're not even google searchable that's just how great twitter has always been especially for journalists and so as myself as an independent journalist i've always found twitter to be uh ultimate i mean there's they're just no comparison uh even on facebook or instagram true social and you know any of these other alternative platforms getter um parlor gab at Twitter has always just been ultimate. It's, it's been the number one place for journalists to gather to be able to bring you real-time news as it's happening. It's just so fast. It's so convenient. And so, of course, here we have the preface of what Twitter was supposedly uh, or in its inception supposed to be. And it says here, Matt Taibbi, slowly over time, Twitter staff and executive executives began to find more and more uses for these tools, uh, meaning some of the censorship tools. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech as well, first a little, then more often, then consistently. By 2020, and this is where it starts getting interesting, 
By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, quote, more to review from the Biden team. The reply would come back, quote, handled. So here we have, and there's actually like a, a screenshot here. If you're watching, you can see this on my screen. And it says on, on Saturday, October 24th, the Biden team wrote one, two, three, four, what looks to be five uh, accounts, one of them from a Jared, one of them from a, or, or two of them look like kind of random accounts, let three, four, eight, one, J, S, J, X, two, and then Ozuena, and then Guy Squiggs. And these accounts have actually been permanently banned. So we don't really know what it is that they posted, but these posts were sent to Twitter executives saying, Please review this. This is from the Biden team. And then this was sent at 539 from the Biden team to Twitter execs. And this was uh, replied with handle these by uh, 828 p.m. So it took about three hours for the Twitter team to basically say, hey, we've got some tweets here that the Biden team wants us to handle. That is pretty insane that this is happening, the, the, the fact that you have basically government officials to some capacity. Now, granted, I hear a lot of rebuttal people kind of saying like, oh, you know, but Biden wasn't in charge back then. He wasn't the president. You can't really say that this was a government agent, you know, working with. No, yes, but these are government officials. I mean, you know, you can't really make the argument that Biden has no influence when it comes to uh, requesting things or his team requesting things from Twitter and then Twitter basically acting on his behest. That is 100% collusion. It should not be happening, especially to censorship online or censoring journalists for that matter. Remember, these people censored the New York Post. This is like one of the oldest publications in the United States, media publications. And, you know, whether whatever you want to believe of the New York Post, whether you like it or you don't, this is really, really bad to find out. You know, and I'm sure a lot of you are probably listening like, but Anthony, we already knew this. No, no, we didn't know this. We speculated on this. We we probably heard some people talk about this and saying, oh, this is what they're doing. They're censoring journalists. They're censoring conservatives. They're censoring Republicans, which, by the way, they did all of these things. But we've never really known. And this is why I love evidence like this, because we can finally point to concrete evidence with screenshots, with video, with internal documents from Twitter and say, we told you so there's like a, a a little thing going around on social media saying like i identify as a conspiracist my pronouns are i told you so uh so that's really uh you know what we're getting into here but of course of course we all talked about this and now we are watching firsthand yes we were right so Here's another uh, really interesting bit. And, it, you know, this is, again, Matt Taibbi going back to these Twitter files. It says both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. So this is another thing that I've seen really kind of like in the Twitter infighting is uh, you have a lot of leftists, a lot of you know Democrats, a lot of people uh, on the left wing uh, side of politics basically saying, oh, but you know, why did we just skip over point number 10 here that both sides of the aisle, both wings of the party, uh, you know, the left and the right were sending requests over to Twitter to have these things you know, censor or banned or have these people taken down. So, and, and sure, it's a good point. 
But this is the however. This is also the other point that I missed. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, and this is now point number 11, this system was not balanced. It was based on contacts because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation. There were more channels, more ways to complain, open to the left, and in parentheses, as like, well, Democrats, then the right. And then it has a link to opensecret.org, uh, which kind of shows like some party receipts here. And it says contributions by party of recipient. In cycle 22, uh, it looks like either, I'm not sure if this is Republican, or I'm sorry, uh, Twitter employees or just Democrats in general, but it says here that in cycle 2018, for example, 96.38% uh, of contributions, I assume this means by Twitter, because this is, yeah, this is Twitter, 96.38% of political contributions were made in favor of Dem two Democrats. And again, this is 2018, and, and, and that was uh, only 3.6%. Uh, two percent of Twitter contributions uh, were made to Republicans, and it continues to decrease. And in 2020, for example, 98.47 percent of Twitter contributions were made to Democrats at 909,000. Compare that to 1.53 percent to Re uh, Republicans at 14,000. And and I said. This was almost cut in half. In 2018, that was 3.62%. In 2020, it was 1.5%. And in 2022, it was the lowest of all time. Twitter contributions to Democrats in 2022 were at 99.73%. That's insane. Compare that to the 0.27% uh, given over to the Republicans. That, I mean, that is telling within itself. So what you have here is proof, according to these internal documents, that says both parties had access to these tools and that you did have both the Trump administration and the Biden campaign uh, proactively sending things to Twitter, saying like, hey, can we look these over? Is this real? Can we have this taken down, et cetera? Which, of course, you can make the argument this should not be happening, period. Which, hey, I, I personally agree to that. I, I don't think that a campaign or an administration... Now, again, I think it would be wise of Matt Taibbi or just Elon Musk in general or Twitter to kind of maybe uh, reveal some of the requests that were made by the Trump administration compared to the Democrats. But at least in this Twitter files dump, we don't see that necessarily. We only see uh, what, um, at least for the most part, and I think rightfully so, I mean, 997 percent contributions to Democrats. I, I mean, it's fair to say, right? But again, the system wasn't balanced. It was based on contact. So this means Democrats, left-wing uh, pundits, uh, the left-wing corporations, these people had a lot better access to Twitter, making requests of them, being able to phone them, being able to contact them and tell them like, hey, uh, we need this taken down or we need this censored. So fast forward, on October 14, 2020, the New York Post published Biden's secret emails, an expose based on the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. So this is actually the day, you got to think about this. This is what, less than a month away from the presidential election. There is evidence, there are reports, there are statistics that show that if a percentage 
of U.S. voters would have known about the Hunter Biden laptop story that they most likely would not have voted for President Biden. Now, does that mean that they would have voted for Donald J. Trump? Not necessarily. Of course, they can always go back and say, hey, you know, uh, we're just not going to vote. We, 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 we don't like either of these options. We're just going to go ahead and not vote. So what this proves, right, based off the evidence, is that this suppression by left-wing politicians and media working together with Twitter censored a story that could have made a difference in the 2020 election. Now, would again, would it have made the big difference? The big difference meaning would one candidate have one over the other? We'll never know. But I think that this is warranting of the investigation. We need to find out what's going on here. We Look, it, it's no denying that social media shapes the way we are, A, either informed, or B, maybe the way we vote because the way we are informed or lack of information may result in the way we vote, right? If, if you if you didn't know something about a politician that otherwise you would have said, had I known this, I would not have voted for this person, um, then yes, that is inf that's influencing. And I, I saw a recent poll actually that said that uh, over 50% of 18, if I'm not mistaken, it was 18 to 39-year-olds uh, are, are influence, their politics are influence uh, based off information that they receive online over 50%. And this was the largest demographic. And I think that when it comes to like the older generation, like the 60, 70 plus year olds, they're mostly influenced uh, as far as their information, mostly from corporate media, mainstream media. That's like your CNN, your Fox News, uh, stuff like that. They tune into that. They're not really tuning into, you know, the, the latest TikToker to see, uh, you know, what they're talking about per se. But that's a, that's, that's a big chunk of the people. That's a big chunk. And of course, those are probably the most influent, influential people. Those are the people that you can influence the most is the 18 to, to 39 year olds to kind of say like, hey, th this is happening. And now we have, again, this proof by Mike Taibbi that this is what they did in order uh, to be able to censor this. And it goes on to say, Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings that it may be, quote, unsafe. They even blocked its transmission via direct message. You couldn't even directly send the link over to another person. And it says, a tool hitherto reserved for extreme cases. What are those extreme cases? One example is child pornography. So they basically made this link to this story, comparing it to child pornography so that so that it would be flagged by Twitter and you would not be allowed to share that story with other people. That is insane. Not only just because they, they decided to make this decision, but look, you, we, we got to keep digging down this little rabbit hole here so that you can further grasp just how asinine this decision was and, and, and the lengths that they went through. The White House spokeswoman, Kaylee McEnany was locked out of her account for tweeting about the story, prompting a furious letter from Trump campaign staffer Mike Hahn, who seed at, quote, at least pretend to care for the next 20 days. This led public policy executive Caroline Storm to send out a polite WTF, 
Quarry, several employees noted that there was tension between the comms and the policy teams over at Twitter who had little or less control over moderation and the safety trust teams. Strum's note returned the answer that the laptop story had been removed for violation of the company's hacked materials policy. And again, this is in response to the White House team. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for reaching out to us per checking. The user was bounced, meaning Kaylee McEnany, by site integrity for violating our hacked materials policy, adding them here for further insight and guidance. Now, this was interesting because uh, uh, the hacked materials policy. This is this is where again it gets really interesting here. Although several sources recalled hearing about a quote, a quote general warning from federal law enforcement that summer uh, about possible foreign hacks, there's no evidence that I've seen. This is Matt Taibbi talking here that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. In fact, that might have been the problem. Now, what it's saying here is that Matt was not able to find any internal documents that the government was involved because obviously there was those stories that the government was kind of advising you know big tech including mark zuckerberg put it out on a video saying that like yes we were contacted by federal law enforcement but the potential of this story coming out and how they believed it was russian disinformation or hacked at you know uh, information or you know whatever and so of course people were saying like well why was the federal government telling them that why are they involved at any capacity? That should be left entirely up to the Twitter or, or you know, Meta, Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey. Um, and, and, you know, just because Matt Taibbi wasn't able to find these documents doesn't mean they don't exist per se. You got to remember, there was a big time period between the, the day that Elon Musk said, I am going to be trying or at least try to purchase Twitter to the day he acquired Twitter. So, I'm kind of curious to see if Elon Musk is able to determine how much was erased and from what servers or from what accounts or for what Twitter accounts, what was erased from that, right? Because I I, I, don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe this, that, they, oh, hey, you know what? According to our own investigation, we were not able to see anything within our servers that showed any government involvement in the laptop story. Uh, but then it says the decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey with former head of legal policy and trust, Vijaya got it playing a key role. Again, I don't know if I like this tweet without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey. I mean, I get it. The guy's the CEO. He's probably busy doing other things, I'm sure. But to completely not know what's going on. I don't know if I buy it, but hey, you know, um, it is what it is. It says, uh, quote, they just freelanced it is how one former employee characterized the decision. Hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone realized uh, that wasn't going to hold, but no one had the guts to reverse it. And then it goes on uh, a little bit further. And this is... Uh, Point number 36, I'm fast forwarding a little bit for you guys. It says Twitter files continued. And this was this is now going into how representatives were responding to the censorship of this story, especially weeks before a presidential election. Twitter files continued. The First Amendment is an absolute. Sabo's letter contains chilling passages relaying Democratic lawmakers' attitudes. They want more moderation. And as for the Bill of Rights, it's not absolute. So here we have, and again, you can see this for yourself, that Democrats, except one, 
Uh, there, there, previously in the thread, it does talk about how there was only one Democrat, uh, law, Democratic lawmaker that did reach out to Twitter and said, like, hey, what's going on with the story? This is going viral. Why is it being censored? One Democrat. Just one. That's pretty insane. As for the rest of the Democratic lawmakers, they said the First Amendment is not absolute and they wanted more moderation on Twitter. So again, this is pretty insane to even fathom or think about. Weeks before a presidential election, probably one of the most important elections of our lifetime, certainly my lifetime, here we have the Democrats saying there's nothing wrong here. We want more moderation. This is not good. And, and, and all of this needs to be investigated, not just by Elon Musk and, and his new crew of people. This needs to be exposed at the federal level. There needs to be decisions made on like, hey, was this obstruction? Was this what other laws were broken here? Who else was connecting with Twitter to censor information that could sway voters one way or the other? This is this this is some pretty severe stuff. And it says here. um, for accounts across the problem. Ah, this is the one that I wanted to show with you guys. So going back to like the whole hacked materials, and it says here, Matt, again, Matt Taibbi, the problem with the hacked materials ruling, several sources said was, was that this normally required an official slash law enforcement finding of a hack, but such a finding never appears throughout one executive uh, throughout what one executive describes as a whirlwind 24-hour company-wide mess. So for you to understand, in order for Twitter to, to be able to suppress or to censor or to stop the distribution uh, within its platform of quote-unquote hack materials, there needs to be an official or law enforcement finding of a hack. This was never set. This was never done. There is zero evidence that this investigation was done by law enforcement. So they did this. They broke protocol over at Twitter and they did this knowing, knowing what they were doing. Why? Why did they do this? The argument can be made to sway an election. And this is exactly, this is going into the second story here. You know, this is the Twitter files. And of course, who is going to be the most interested in knowing that big tech was colluding with Democrats in order to sway voters one way or the other? Well, the big man himself, the big orange guy that everyone uh, misses on Twitter. So obviously, Donald Trump took to the true social and he was basically saying, well, 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 what do we have here? Now, the, uh, this is again, you know, um, uh, the White House response to Trump demanding to terminate parts of the Constitution after Twitter files released. The Twitter files detailed how and why Twitter censored Hunter Biden's laptop. President Biden's White House says former President Donald Trump deserves to be universally condemned for arguing that parts of the U.S. Constitution should be terminated last week. Trump made this statement in response to the release of the Twitter files on Friday, a trove of documents detailing Twitter's communications on censorship. Trump argued the files showed evidence of fraud and deception in the 2020 election and went on to argue parts of the Constitution should be terminated to address it. And this is a quote. So with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner or 
do you have a new election? Trump posted on social media. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, he continued. Our great founder did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. So this, I guess, is like the proof that he's asking that we change the Constitution or that we throw out some of the rules. I mean, I here it is. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Now, I will say, I personally do not know if this is correct. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, including those found in the Constitution. I'm not really sure of what that necessarily entails. He didn't go into great detail about that. Um, and then he says, our great founder did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Now, I think it's important to understand that obviously there is, you know, rigging there. There could be some fraud. I, I would say this was more in the lines of of clear bias by big tech in favor of Democrats and basically working in collusion with them uh, to censor something that could sway voters one way or the other. I don't know if what he's talking about is correct, meaning the magnitude allows for the termination of our rules. Obviously, these are unprecedented times. I think this story blows the lid on something that a lot of people speculated to. I think he's correct in that obviously there was colluding, that there was um, censorship, right? And, and that there was deception. That's for sure. I don't know how this necessarily proves widespread fraud, however, and I definitely don't know about how we can just throw out articles, even those found in the Constitution. Now, I, again, I think the headlines are a little bit sensationalist. And of course, Donald Trump himself kind of um, uh, went back and, 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 and he said, uh, this was four hours ago, actually, uh, in the quote, this is on his true social, the fake news is actually trying to convince the American people that I said I wanted to, quote, terminate the Constitution. This is simply more disinformation and lies, just like Russia, 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 and all of their other hoaxes and scams. What I said was that when there is massive and widespread fraud, okay, that's my really bad impersonation of them, and deception, as has been irrefutably proven in the 2020 presidential election, steps must be immediately taken to right the wrong. Only fools would disagree with that and accept the stolen elections. And then he ends it with MAGA. And then a follow-up tweet, uh, or I'm sorry, not tweet, but truth to that is simply put, and this is in all caps, so he's yelling at this point, I, I suppose. Simply put, if an election is irrefutably fraudulent, it should go to the rightful winner or at a minimum be redone where open and blatant fraud is involved. There should be no time limit for change. Again, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a constitutional lawyer. I don't necessarily know the legalities to this. Again, does this prove that tech was in bed with Democrats? Absolutely. It absolutely does. And 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 this was weeks, weeks before leading to an election, basically. And, you know, again, this can be found over at uh, his Donald J. Trump here. I have him pulled up for you guys here on the screen. And then, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, actually, let me th make this a little bit larger over here. There we go. I think this is actually a, a better angle here on StreamYard, but no, yeah, this is are 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 the are the concerns valid? Absolutely. I have a big problem with knowing that big tech 
was colluding with any political party. And again, it goes back to what well, both parties were doing this. Correct. And and but was both were both of them being honored? And the answer is no. Not both of them were being honored. And that's where 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 you can see the clear bias. That is where we go into the subtweets talking about how Democrats had big favorability with with Twitter uh, employees. And and I think that again, something needs to happen. Whether it's the new Republican House, the new Republican Congress, are they going to come in? Are they going to start subpoenaing, you know, Twitter employees or XX? You know, we'll we'll see what's going to happen with that. Um, but I, at this point, what can you really do? What is there constitutionally to be able to say? I mean, look, when the Constitution was written, obviously it wasn't talking about um, how hey, if we discover that on Twitter. You know, our large corporation is not putting out this information and it sways the election one way or the other. Um, what can you do? And if the First Amendment guarantees free press, I mean, does it have to be honest press? That's where maybe there needs to be clarification. There is there press? Is there free press? Yes, absolutely. Is it honest press? Most of the time it's not. But what do you do at this point? Are we really about to redo the 2020 election? I don't think so. I think we're closer to just, yo, know, it's 2024. Let's get back into it. Twitter is now, for the most part, free speech, right? So what I guess that's the answer is, or the question is, where do we go from here? Now that we know this, what's going to happen next? Because I'll be honest with you guys. Do I think that President Biden's going to be like, and, 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 and Democrats in the Senate and, and the House are going to be like, well, you know, obviously we care about the First Amendment. This was wrong what they did. I mean, I don't even think they're going to condemn this. I don't think they're going to come out and say, you know what, this was wrong. I mean, you guys saw in the Twitter files, you guys were able to hear me say that, hey, you know, except for one Democrat, everyone else was like, no, this is good. We need this. We need censorship. We cannot continue to do, you know, to, to allow disinformation online on big tech. This is going to sway people one way or the other. And this is exactly what they did. So I think it's at this point, it's kind of like, well, now we know about it. Now we can prove it. But what happens now? And I think that's the question that everyone wants to know. What's going to happen now? We now know that according to the Twitter files, and, and there's more to be released, by the way. Tw uh, you know, Elon, Twitter's Elon Musk has already said that there's going to be a part two that's going to be coming out. We don't really know. I think it was supposed to be released Saturday. Then on Saturday, he came out and said, hey, um, it's actually going to take a couple days. I don't know how long you know we're going to need in order to come out with a part two. Um, and then who knows? Maybe the first set of Twitter files brought up its own set of problems, right? I think that uh, Elon Musk was kind of uh, uh, jokingly saying like, hey, by the way, I'm not suicidal, you know, because obviously revealing things of this magnitude uh, are going to bring up on its own set of problems. I don't think that, you know, Democrats are going to take this line on their box, you know? So we will have to wait and see exactly what happens with this, but the information is out there. Uh, the people have been proven and I, you know, I think it's uh, really interesting, but with that, we'll head over to this last story here. And this is going to be today. Watch Arizona officials hold statewide canvas to certify election results. And so this was also kind of interesting because, uh, you know, obviously Katie Hobbs, state of secretary, 
uh, and she gets to certify her own election. And so, of course, a lot of people have a problem with this. But uh, Phoenix, Arizona officials are set to gather Monday for the statewide canvas to certify the November 8th general election results. The 10 a.m. proceedings are closed to the public but are being live streamed on the Arizona uh, Secretary of State's office, Facebook page, and on Zoom, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, a Democrat, will certify the results per state law in the presence of Governor uh, Doug Ducey, Attorney General Mark Bernovic, both Republicans, and Arizona Supreme Court Chief Justice Robert Brutnow. So I've gotten a lot of people kind of telling me, like, why haven't you talked too much about, like, the Arizona elections? What's going on there? How, isn't it a conflict of interest that Katie Hobbs is running but also gets to certify the election on her own? And I think those are valid concerns. I don't think they have much to do with i mean she's the she's a candidate right she she gets to run even if she's a state of secretary she gets to run for governor i don't necessarily know what people mean by that like isn't it a conflict of interest i don't know what other steps there could have been taken for her not to have to certify her own election i guess um i mean uh, you know with with all the stuff that was happening um, and especially Maricopa County, uh, the, the machines weren't working. I think it was something like 32% of machines went down the same day. This is something that even they had prepared for. It shouldn't be happening. And I've said this over and over before, uh, these things should not be happening the day of the election, especially with on the, we're literally trying to bounce back from 2020 election where people are already very speculative, very concerned about election integrity. And this is not just, you know, hardcore Donald Trump supporters. I've I've talked to regular folks that are genuinely concerned about election integrity. People want to know, does my vote count? And I think people deserve to know that, right? Now, what I will say, and this is where I'm going to get a little bit more uh, opinionated, and this is something I'm going to share here with what Charlie Kurd uh, uh, he is the founder of Turning Point USA, a conservative uh, kind of action group there. It says, confirmed, Katie Hobbs' office emailed Mojave County supervisors threatening them with up to two years in prison if they didn't certify their election results. So, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delve a little bit into this. And this is by the Daily Caller exclusive Katie Hobbs office threatened county board with arrest indictment if they didn't certify results. It says Democratic Arizona Sta Secretary of State and government elect governor elect Katie Hobbs top deputy threatened the Mojave County Board of Supervisors with prosecution if it didn't certify her election results before a Monday deadline, according to emails and documents reviewed by the Daily Caller News Foundation. Arizona State Elections uh, Director Corey Lorick wrote several letters and emails to members of the board warning them of criminal charges if they refused to certify the results in time. The letters included threats of lawsuits against the members of nonfeasance as well per the emails. The sec quote, the Secretary of State did not contact our county and cited ARS Section 16-1010 as a statute that could be used to prosecute the board if they did not certify the election. Now, here's like the big problem that I see a lot in the political right wing is, you know, I, I tell people, hey, before the primaries, okay, this is, again, my opinion here, before the primaries, it's good to have healthy debate and objections to some of the candidates that are running. So, for example, here in California, there was a lot of people that didn't like, you know, the the GOP nomination for governor. They said it should have been someone else. And I'm like, hey, those conversations were good prior to the primary. Post the primary, it's smart if the 
political right wing, the Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, right leaning, get behind who the nominee is. It doesn't. It it might not be your guy, and it might be the lesser of two evils. But that's what you have now. That's what you got to deal with. So here, you know, I met Carrie Lake in person. I was at a private fundraiser with her. And then I also met Blake, Master, met Blake Masters, who was running for Senate in Arizona. And I met him in person. And they were talking about what the volunteers were doing to make sure of voter integrity, uh, making sure that the ballot boxes, ballot drop boxes were being watched. Uh, Blake Masters told me that there was like people setting up like GoPros in front of ballot bro- uh, uh, boxes, kind of like hidden to make sure nothing, no funny business was, was happening. And that's all good and dandy. I'm glad that, you know, people, people are taking this seriously. And I think that, you know, there's can be a lot of election reform, uh, same day voting, uh, make voting day a holiday so more people get out there and vote. I think something like 15% of Trump supporters did not come out to vote uh, for Carrie Lake uh, in 2022 as they did in 2020. And who knows? Maybe it's because they moved, maybe because they were not motivated, maybe because they just don't believe in elections. Who knows? But you know, Charlie Kirk, and this is something that, you know, I, I tell people all the time and I say, when the things already have happened, it's kind of too late. There's no going back. The, the plans that you should have had, the steps that you should have taken leading up to that day is what should have happened. If you were worried about something, then you yourself needed to have activated yourself in order to protect voter integrity or or to get out the vote or to collect ballot harvesting, whatever it might be. But afterward, and this is, you know, again, my problem, and, I, and I'm glad I pulled this tweet up. It says, Katie Hobbs' office emailed Mojave County Service threatening them up with up to two years in prison if they didn't certify their election results. Right there is not, and this is a tweet right here. People sent this to me and said, Anthony, this is proof that Katie Hobbs or Democrats basically use threats of violence or threats of imprisonment to get the result they want. Here's the reality. As state of secretary, even if it wasn't Katie Hobbs, if elections are not certified by a deadline, then they're going to use the consequences that have been given to them by state powers. If the consequence of not certifying an election is, hey, you can actually threaten them with jail time, then that is what they will do because that is within their powers to do so. This right here, and I've seen a video of, of, of somebody saying like, I, you know, I'm certifying the election, but against my will, I have questions. Hey, that's good. File some lawsuits. But, and I said this on my Telegram channel, are you really surprised and I don't, don't I don't understand why people continue to be so surprised when these things happen. Are we really surprised that evil people are willing to lie, cheat, and steal, or even in this case, use the powers within their means to actively threaten people? Why do we continue to be surprised by this? I I, I just don't understand. This is uh, a tweet that I saw that just kind of perfectly encompasses this. This is a RN McIntyre and he tweeted a lot of people on the right 
who watch progressives unleash violent mobs and mutilate children still seem surprised that their opponents are willing to win at any cost. And then a subtweet says, the side that wants to win will always beat the side that wants to be left alone. When are we going to learn that these people will do everything and anything to wield power over you? These people don't care about your griping and complaints, and they definitely don't care about your high moral standards. These people don't play by these same rules. I'm not surprised that Katie Hobbs' uh, team was sending out threats of incarceration to people, to board of supervisors, and telling them, you need to certify by the deadline, or you can face up to two years in prison. What I am more pissed off about, not surprised, I'm more pissed off that the people that do hold themselves to a moral high standard, that do take an oath to the Constitution, to the people that they serve, and most importantly to God, continue to kneel and continue to, to compromise and continue to give in to these evil people. That's what pisses me off more. Oh, but what about Katie Hobbs? Yes, my guy. That's going to happen. Evil people will continue to do evil things. Why do you continue to be so surprised? Why is that shocking to you? It's actually shocking to me that you are shocked. Why do we continue to fall for this? These people don't play by the same rules. Of course, they're going to threaten you with incarceration. But if you claim to be first, and foremost, God-fearing, you shouldn't be fearing anything, including and up to incarceration, if you truly believe that you are doing the right thing and fighting for something that is right. I'm just so sick and tired of hearing Republicans, conservatives, Christians continue to be shocked. Oh, look, Twitter censored. Oh, look, Katie Hobbs, threats of incarceration. Yes. Yes, that's going to continue to happen. What did you think was going to happen? Honestly, ask yourself here. You're, 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 you're so shocked by this? You're shocked that evil people will continue to lie, cheat, and steal to you? That they will continue to not play by the rules? Continue to not be honest? Are you really that naive? What, what did you think was going to happen? You think fighting for what's right was going to be easy? It was going to be handed to you? You think what, what, what doing what's right is, is, is not going to be hard? I say shame to the cowards of these board of supervisors that caved in, that said, well, I don't want to be in prison for two years. I got a family to think about. Yeah, okay. I, I think that if we bring back like public punishment for people that are cowards like this, that take an oath to the constitution, to the people, to God, saying I will do what's right for the people, those people should be publicly shamed. That That's what needs to happen. Because I will never be shocked that evil people continue to do evil things. Look, man, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to bring this up just, just because, but I served in the military. I signed a piece of paper saying I'm willing to die for my country. I had a family. I had children. 
you don't you don't think that I woke up every day in uniform, especially when I was deployed. You don't think that there was a chance that I might die. I I also might said to myself, well, for the next four years, every day there might be a, a chance that I die. Who knows? We might get invaded. I might get sent somewhere where the chances are even higher. I had children. Do I love them less because I swore an oath to the Constitution, to God, and to my fellow countrymen? Two years of incarceration for doing what's right? That's nothing. There are people that lose their lives. Police officers every single day on the front lines that are going out protecting strangers. Is it selfish of them? Is it wrong of them to go out and, and, and maybe put their life on the line for a stranger? Do they not love their children because of that? Two years of incarceration, that's nothing. I'm not surprised by this. These people are cowards. If you're giving in, you're a coward. I don't care about Katie Hobbs and Democrats. I don't care about evil people doing evil things. It's expected of them. But it's expected of you, if you are a righteous person, if you are a God-fearing person, to do what's right. So with that, we'll end this segment. You know, And uh, you know, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like what we're doing here, like, subscribe. Make sure you sign up for our Patreon to continue to uh, leave the lights on here for us in the studio. Uh, and with that, I'll see you guys tomorrow, God willing, Tuesday. All right, guys. You guys have a good one.